This is Ozarks at Large. On the latest episode of Undisciplined, host Dr. Karee Banton talks to Dr. Valandra, a professor of social work at the University of Arkansas. Valandra's research focuses on intergenerational trauma and resiliency, especially within black families. One example of reliving that trauma can be watching movies about slavery. So Karee asks if there are productive ways to cope with that kind of tragic history. I think that it's it's very understandable that some black people want to kind of distance themselves from the tragic history of enslavement, Jim Crow, black codes, and other forms of structural, economic, and social, cultural, educational victimization. In fact, who the hell wouldn't want to <laughs> if they had an opportunity <laughs> to do I otherwise? I want people to read right? it, Dr. V. So here's the deal. <laughs> it's very pervasive, and you have to pace yourself. Yeah, that's that's the, the, the issue, I think, that's really, really important because psychologically, physically, emotionally, people are dealing with a hell of a lot mm-hmm. and they have to keep breathing. They have to keep making a way. They have to keep thriving. They have to keep excelling despite. So one of the ways to deal with it is to avoid it, distance yourself from it, deny it. It's human nature. In fact, it can be protective in helping people to disassociate themselves. Now, there is a cost, (laughs) right? Because when you weigh the cost, you can't continue to, you can't always avoid or distance or dismiss. So, for example, one of the things that we talk about in social work and like in in looking at issues, let's just say, you know, slave movies, for example. It might be very triggering to go to a theater, you know, a theater full of people, and watch some traumatic thing that has happened to your ancestors, right? But if there's a possibility of watching it through streaming in your own home, right? or you go to the movie, but you pick the people that you're going to go to. Yeah. yeah, you go to the movie with a support system in place. All of these kinds of things are, are ways of coping with so that you don't distance yourself from it, but you engage in it in a, in a, in a, in a much healthy more way. healthy and therapeutic and supportive and compassionate way. Like when we went to go see, see Black Panther. Yes, exactly. Black Panther. That's <laughs> the ex- whole group pulled up, dressed up. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And I remember when I went to see Beloved when it came out. You remember that? Ooh, yes, I do. Because I went with a couple of friends, and that movie was hard to watch. And I was so glad. And it was just by accident that I had invited a couple of my friends to go with me, but I was glad that it was only them. I I had nightmares for a long time. I slept with the lights on. Oh, wow. Twelve years a slave. I went to see that with my mom and two other friends on purpose. And right after the movie, we went back to the house and we had a discussion. Right. Yes. I mean, those are the kinds of things that you have to do when you are looking at, you know, tragic movies, because they aren't, even though they, even though they are fictionalized, mm-hmm. they are based in truths. Yeah. And they're based in centuries and centuries and centuries of oppression. And of, they might trigger people. something. And they, yes. And they are triggering. Mm-hmm. And so I think that it's just really, really important to... Uh, give people time and space to avoid, uh, to deny, to dismiss, but then also to re-engage. And then there are just ways in which you can re-engage that are supportive. They help create 
psychological and psychic space so that you can journey into that trauma in a way that can be healing and be a part of recovery and not re-traumatization. Yeah. Yes. I remember the first time I watched Roots. Mm -hmm. There you go. Oh, that's, that's my another God. one. Mm-hmm. I had to take some time off. Yes. Child. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. I yes. was upset. Yes. <laughs> right. And that's important. Yeah. Yes. It's important to give your, yourself time and space to feel what you're going to feel. And what happens sometimes is because these stories about enslavement and uh, like 12 years of slave and all these these kinds of tragic parts of our history, uh, you know, unfortunately... Many times there aren't in, there aren't other outlets for discussing them, you know, unless someone takes a, a class in African and African American studies, uh, you know, or something right. like that. Because you know, many times we're in families where how they've dealt with it is push it aside. It's, push it aside. You, you know, yeah. when we talk about lynching, there are people who've had lynchings in their their family members who have been lynched, and they do Don't not talk about have it. conversations like that with, you know, the next generation and the next generation. And so um, yeah. it's just really important to engage in that kind of exploration or um, witnessing of the history in ways that are supportive and that don't re-victimize and re-traumatize people. You study intergenerational trauma, which is just so very fascinating to me because, you know, African-Americans are known to add a lot of benefits to this country. Mm-hmm. And uh, the way that African-American families go about living their lives, that is so unlike the white American paradigm is so fascinating to me. It's the same thing. Um, having grown up in Jamaica, you know, a family means an extended family. You know, you're talking about your grandma, your uncles and your aunties. It's not just your immediate to, you know, whoever is in your household, your kids and yourself. That's that's the family. No, your intergenerational um, relations are very important to you, what you, how you go back and how you go forward. So you studied that kind of intergenerational trauma. Um, can you tell us what is that and what led you to, to such a study and how did you go about studying it in an undisciplined way and what you have found? Well, I do study intergen- intergenerational trauma, but I also study intergenerational resilience. And in a nutshell, it's understanding ways by which individuals and families transmit values, attitudes, beliefs, ethics, coping mechanisms, the, the way they live from one generation to the next generation, and assessing the protective features or assets and the risk features or limitations and what gets transmitted. And I started studying intergenerational trauma and resilience within my own intergenerational family or extended family system. And and first, just listening to my grandparents talking about their lives living in Arkansas. And they were both born in 1919, one in Mariana, Arkansas, one in Wheatley, Arkansas. And then they migrated to Omaha in 1944 
when my mother was four years old. So listening to the ways in which they coped with racism, how they attempted to protect themselves and their children, the things that they told their children and how to survive and thrive despite, you know, races, uh, the spirituality, the work ethic that they passed on to the next, you know, generation. In looking at the ways that they talked about things, there were some stories and some methods that, that they transmitted that I felt were helpful and protective. So I call those, you know, protective, proactive ways of helping their family, uh, the family, the next generation survive and thrive. But there were also some things that they transmitted, for example, remaining silent about interpersonal violence and uh, victim blaming within the family system as a way of coping that I would describe as maladaptive. And so those were those were things that were also transmitted. So, for example, you know, if you see, you know, your father beating your mother or your, you know, uh, brother beating a sister or something, you don't say anything about it. Yeah. You know, you pray to God. In fact, <laughs> you know, just pray to God and encourage God, you know, and, and pray to God and God and, and that'll help. Well, no, that didn't work so well. So those were some of the things that I was so like. So they use well, spirituality to mask some yeah. of the intergenerational uh, maladaptive strategies. Yes, and and that got passed on generation to generation to generation. And I'm telling you that it's it's also one of the things that led me into looking at domestic violence, sexual assault. What you're willing to put up with from a man. That's right. Girl, he'll change. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, or what, you know, what did you do wrong? Yeah. Right? What did you do wrong right. that resulted in, you know, him, him to hit you, hit, hit you again? Mm-hmm. No, that just was not working. So that those are the maladaptive things that can be transmitted as generationally. Well, you know, generationally. Yeah. Another one that I think that is also very, and this one is tricky because it it is when when you look at the larger system, you know the the, the larger system of white supremacy and racism, and particularly the way black men are victims. What also gets transmitted and got transmitted in my family is that you have to protect black men at all costs. Don't call the police. That's right. And that means even if it means sacrificing the uh, victim, sacrificing a child, sacrificing the woman, sacrificing a a child who has been physically or sexually abused by a black man, you have to do that because of racism. Because, and we get socialized generationally to do that. And it is problematic. Absolutely. It is very, very problematic. Black power is for black men. Yeah. Right? That's right. Exactly. Black <laughs> yeah. power is for black men. And then you get called a race traitor. You know, you you know, there's an expectation. You're running behind these white feminists. Yes. You know, betraying the black man. Yes. Yeah. And, and all of that impacts the, the research that I do when I look mm-hmm. at African-Americans and domestic violence and sexual assault. Right. That And that's that intergenerational message that gets... And you, you see it happening over and over and over. And, and we have to do something about that. We have to find ways of supporting black men, but also holding them accountable. Undiscipline is produced by Ozarks at Large's Matthew Moore. It's a collaboration between KUAF and the University of Arkansas Department of African and African American Studies. You can hear the rest of this conversation and every episode of Undisciplined wherever you get your podcasts.